West Payne, ladies and gentlemen, bringing in something that sound, smells rather rather fierce here, Wes. What, what do we have here? Well, I, um, a, uh, and it's, in, it's in a red Solo cup, too, so I have legitimately no idea what it is. <laughs> it's, it's like a sneaky beer. That's a very interesting taste. Yeah, what is it? What is it? What do you think it is? Well, it's fruity on the nose. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <clears throat> I'm gonna go a little beer is tasty on you here, just mm-hmm, for a moment. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna. Yeah, it's definitely fruity on the nose. Uh, it's got a, it's got a thin, crisp smell. Uh, it has a very thin head, just, just like a, just a, uh, just a thick layer of foam on top, but not like, not a lot of head there. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and go for the, uh, the mouth test. The, uh, the good thing is, I don't completely hate it, so that's a good sign. Wow. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's it's sort of like it's sort of got it's sort of got a it's got a lot going on in the uh, like on the uh, higher notes with the uh, with like kind of a sparkle effect, like a like a real carbonation. Uh, but there's not much in the middle. There's not a, a lot in the middle. I kind of like that. Yeah, I, it, yeah. It, it, it's it, it's it's definitely very drinkable. Like you could drink it very fast. Like it's good. Like it's refreshing <laughs> too. Like if it's hot. Like 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 right now if we didn't have the AC going like once we turn off the AC and it starts getting warm in here, yeah, I'm gonna get warm and this is gonna refresh the crap out of me. It's got a little bit of the bitterness, but it doesn't sit on your tongue. Yeah, and I I feel like but I feel like it's not like it's it's not hops that I'm getting, but I mean I mean it might be. Uh, I don't citrusy isn't the right word because it's not citrusy, but it's uh, well it, kind of it reminds me of grapefruit somewhat. Yeah. Okay. So tell us what's going on here. What do we what do we. What, it's real simple. It's just a Sierra Nevada Hefeweizen. Huh. Oh, that's where the citrus is coming there from. You go. That is hilarious. That is. None that of the is, six packs looked good, so I just got grabbed a 22 and split it between us. That's what you, happened So here. you combined. You, oh, hold on. Just so I understand what you just did here. You combined <laughs> soda pop and beer? Right together. <laughs> where the <laughs> hell did you get that idea? <laughs> What the Do you hell? not have shandy in the U.S.? Oh no, I, I guess I guess I just wow, Wes. That's that's good though. That's that's ingenious. I, you know what? I applaud your uh, resourcefulness. Well, thank you, sir. This is Linux Unplugged, episode two hundred and twelve for August 29th, two thousand and seventeen. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux podcast that might be dodging airplanes as we record. My name is Chris. That's your go. That's your that's your cue. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. What am I doing? What are you installing Gentoo over there or something? Maybe. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. I was hanging the command line challenge. And of course, we're joined by Beardsley. Hello, Beard. Hello. Hello. But you know, guys, it's okay if you want to install Gentoo, but wake up. We have a lot to talk about today. We sure do. In fact, we'll get to the Gen 2 Challenge here in just a moment, but first we're going to do big big community updates, really big community updates, and maybe a couple that might make you a little hungry, plus a new segment that may, might have to become a reoccurring segment, we'll see, called Wimpy Was Right. We'll talk about that. It pains me. It pains yeah, me. I hope not. Bitcoin was spent. It pains me. Uh, and then we're going to do a little follow-up on your feedback about replacing LastPass. A lot of great suggestions, plus... Mr. West there found a great tool that might just do the job for you for your offsite backups. Then, Purism is getting serious about creating a phone. They call it the Librem 5, and as we record right now, their fundraiser is about 10% funded. It's actually a substantial amount of money. And also, 
as we record right now, coming into the studio, is a brand new Libra 15 to replace the one that I crowdfunded uh, years ago now. Right here, we're going to do a live unboxing. And look at the new Librem 15 that was just sent to us by Purism right Whoa. here on the show. Yeah, we'll just do initial hands-on reactions, and then we'll do a review later on. So we're going to take a look at that. Plus, we're going to talk about their new fundraiser. We're going to talk about all of the things I mentioned and community updates. But before we go any further, we got to bring in that virtual lug. Yes, we do. Time-appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Hello. Hello. Good day. Guys, uh, I have to uh, I have to start the show with a plea to you. I'm going to make you judge and jury here. Um, there may be a penance that I have to pay. I don't know what it would be, but we'll discuss that. Uh, we have to punt the Gen 2 Challenge one more week in light of the new Librem 15 hardware. It's just what we got to talk about today. It just came in. I don't know, Chris. It sounds to me like you're scared. <laughs> sounds like you're still compiling. <laughs> oh, did you install KDE? Whoa, now whoa. it makes sense. I was going to see so I was going to ask wow. for your guidance, Mumble Room, on uh, what we should do in light of yet another another punt of the Gen 2 challenge. Uh, what 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 where do we go through? Where do we go from here? Because to me, it feels like a fail to deliver. But to be honest, we've had we've had some really good reasons. Yeah, so, I think so. Uh, I'm torn up, and I need your guidance. We're just let's just say we're workshopping it. <laughs> it's a special distro. It needs a special take. Yeah, yeah. So uh, here's here's what I was hoping is uh, maybe maybe if I in exchange for something, some of you would help us with the Gen Two challenge to really keep us to really keep us to it next week. Like if one of you in there were willing to also take the Gen Two challenge with us, well then we would feel obligated at like a friend level. To really make sure it gets done, and 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 I don't I don't know what that pen seems to be to make that happen, but I feel like that's what it would take right now. Is anybody anybody understand that in the mumble room? Anyone? I think the penance has to be uh, Linux from scratch challenge. After I mean, this. producer Michael, you're trying out Linux all the time, and there could be additional content in it. Monkeycom, you've got to be thinking about Gen two sometimes. Somebody in there. Mister Arm, you have to be a little curious. Nobody wants to take the Gen two challenge with us. Ain't nobody got time for that. Interesting. Yeah. I think Gen Maybe. 2. Gen 2 I, so I did Gen screwed. 2 about four or five years ago, and that's all I need to know. So screwed. Maybe uh, Wimpy needs to see what Mate is like on Gen 2. Yeah. <laughs> no, he really doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What does that tell I try, us? I, I tried it, and my boredom threshold yeah. got hit very, very quickly, and I was like, screw this, and just switched off the VM. I've always no, goodbye. I've always been of the opinion that the best place for Gen two is in like embedded systems. I thought you were gonna say the kitchen. Just oh. for a second. <laughs> sure. The best place uh, for there, Gen two is Chrome. There's OS. plenty of embedded systems in your kitchen. Well that you know, so uh so the Chrome OS so so Chrome OS is a great thing to bring up, producer Michael, because that's it, it's a reminder that it's it's legitimately a relevant distro, isn't it? For sure. And the fact that it's based on Gentoo makes, you know, it makes Gentoo even more important. But as far as like, I think most people aren't going to be putting that much effort into Gentoo. Like I did it once just to say I did it. And that's yeah. about, that's enough I care about. I did it for years in production because it was the only way to get the versions of cups and the drivers I needed to get the bank that I wanted to move over to Linux. Right. To I mean, move. That's one of its advantages, right? You have that kind of yeah. control. Okay. Well, the unfortunate thing is that Gentoo is no longer the fastest and, you know, just because it's sourced, I mean, people assume that it's going to be like the fastest updated. Right. It's right. it's not. It's very, very slow in some cases. 
So like okay. I've had software that just it was abandoned years ago and they don't even care. Like, st- and, and and people who are like trying to get maintainership are not given maintainership. I just want to I just a hypothetical situation. We'll step into the transporter. We'll go into the mirror universe where Gentoo no longer exists. Maybe maybe Chrome OS is based off of Linux from scratch or Android or whatever. Um, what changes? I mean, they used to be known for really great documentation, but now that's sort of Arch's mantle. Right. Yeah, it is. So what changes? They still have that documentation. I think I think Gentoo's documentation is better than Arch. I think I found a lot of things. I think there's a lot of things on Gentoo that Arch doesn't address and Gentoo does. Hmm. Well, okay. So, uh, gosh, I, I feel like you and I are... Although I did fix one of the things on the Arch Wiki that I found on the Gentoo Wiki, but <clears throat> whatever. Well, I, in some ways, now am more determined than ever to prove all of you jerks wrong and, <laughs> uh, and, and show you that there's some value still in my old friend Gentoo. You know what you should do, Chris? What? You should install Gentoo on that super ancient laptop you did uh, on that, that last throwback. You know where Gentoo makes a lot of sense to me is like a like a Raspberry Pi 3 where I do the building off the machine. Like either using dist- – well, back in the, the day. CC. Yeah. Is that still mm-hmm. a thing? Yeah. It is? Yeah. That's, I, I used the shit out of that back in the day because I had a whole server farm. Yeah. And so I would just I would just distribute the builds like crazy and like I was like, update, shmupdate. Yeah, I used to run Gentoo on a Wii way back when. So that's, and it worked very nicely. Mm-hmm. Had M player going, could uh, stream things to it. It's great. Well, let's get into community updates. We maybe we'll have more on the Gen from Gen Two Land uh, in the near future. But this week we're going to talk about the new Librem fifteen that came into the studio. But first, there's a story that has been going steady since January, and uh, it's picking up more and more momentum. And I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering what we all make of it. Mazda and Toyota now are getting together on this uh, Linux infotainment system for cars. It's a project that uh, the uh, Linux Foundation has been working on, and they've been, to some success, keeping it in the news every single week, and that seems to be paying dividends now. With Mazda and Toyota joining forces, they're going to be working together on the Linux-based connected car navigation entertainment system. Now, the system that Toyota ships and has been shipping, I think, since 2012 is called Intune. It's an in-car infotainment platform, and it's got all the crap that is always sort of uh, hacky and not so great. It's got the hands-free phone call support over Bluetooth, music streaming, sat navigation, sat nav as they call it, um, and uh, it's running on top of on top of Linux. This automotive-grade Linux project is taking off more and more, though, with different people getting in, Toyota and now uh, Mazda and others that are getting involved. Uh, the reason why they're working together, even though they're competitors, at least according to a Japanese business newspaper that the Register is citing, they reckon that the joint effort is at least partially due to a shortage of vehicle-focused software development and developers, especially in the land of the rising sun, as the Register puts it. So Intune and uh, in, 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 in broader scope, the automotive-grade Linux project, I've talked about it a couple of times now on Linux Action News, and I've done some, some research into this project, and it seems interesting. If you are someone who likes to have everything built into your headset, where it does all the nav, it does your music, it runs your apps, it does your streaming, it has Pandora... Maybe it has some kind of iHeartRadio and Spotify. Uh, right now, currently, um, <laughs> because Microsoft's involved, it includes Bing. 
<laughs> yeah, yo. Yeah. And uh, you can get like open table uh, for uh, booking uh, restaurant tables and whatnot. Those things are all inside the dash and running on this Linux system. That's the approach of automotive grade Linux versus, say, uh, Android Autoplay or Apple CarPlay, which is more built around the smarts being in the phone. And then the receiver, the headset being more of like a projection, a rece- uh, you know, it's, it's a client of the smarts in the phone. The automotive-grade Linux project does not support CarPlay or Android AutoPlay or whatever, Android, Android Auto, um, as it's called. So it's sort of a competitor to those. And so therefore, I'm a little leery on it as somebody who uh, owns a 2012 vehicle and is ready to replace that really old prehistoric awful computer in the dash. Oh, man. No kidding, right? I, I really don't want to replace it with another one that I'm just going to have... I'm just going to get driven crazy by later on. I am more and more thinking about maybe a Raspberry Pi with a touchscreen, maybe... Uh, Maybe it's maybe even something as crazy as an Nvidia Shield, or oh. or maybe uh, Android Auto or CarPlay. Like I'm the, all these things, you know. It's not that I'm going to be doing anytime soon, but right now, what I can't deny is I have an audio aux in. A lot of people use Bluetooth, but I use I've been using audio aux in, and I just play everything from my phone. If I want to, if I want news, I listen on my phone. If I want music, and of course podcasts, I do it all on my phone. And the receiver in my truck is just like a dummy unit. It could just be a glorified, it could just be a volume knob and uh, an aux in jack for all I care these days. So I don't need a lot in Dash. Where I, and, and automotive grade Linux is more about you build your entire system on top of this Linux platform where we give you these basic functions and apps and UI elements and then you deliver an experience for your car on top of it, which of course is what automakers are interested in. But as an end user, I'm good just with my aux in jack and running it off my phone. So you have well, in theory, you could also take the base that you get a car that has support for that. You maybe, maybe if they don't have some weird, you know, locking system or whatever, you could replace it with whatever system you want. Sure. Well, sure. that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. We well, could say something. But there's also this is interesting mainly because uh, Mazda and Toyota already have a partnership for other things, so it kind of like solidifies it even more that Ooh, they're yeah, right. partnering. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Good point. Because they have like they have partnerships value? with a. Like technology of like car de- car development technology. So now that they're doing it with the the infotainment part of it, means that it's likely that I mean it, this this particular one. If if this was the first time, it'd be kind of weird. But the fact that they've been doing it for a few years now, it means that this is likely to be a, a pretty solid partnership. Sure, that makes sense. Are there any? Is, is there any value? I agree with you. Like I'm just going to do this on my phone. I have my phone set up. But for people who like just use a phone as a phone, if those people still exist, is there value in having a, a better platform in the car? You know, maybe you're, uh, you're you're a senior and you just you know you want to be able to you know about some of these things, but you don't want to have to try to figure out how to do that and use the small yes. screen of your car. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, especially if they can make it better quality connection with your like phone calls. I know a lot of people who are at that that age that have that use the in in blue, the Bluetooth in car stuff that are just uh, it's just an awful experience. It's it's hard to set up. It's like the worst quality audio possible. If they can fix that, that would be fantastic. What about you know self driving where there's so much information that all has to be integrated: speed, traffic, weather conditions, uh, information to the driver. It seems like having a platform that these car manufacturers a common technology base that is sound and proven based on Linux that they can build on top of, 
they've got to be working this, even if as a consumer, like I just, the reasons I just vocalized, I'd prefer to just do it all from my phone. Three generations from now of drivers, though, it, they're going to have a totally different set of requirements. Yeah. Definitely. And they're going to need a really refined system to bring all that information together. So I kind of get why they're working on it. Is it funny that we haven't even talked about that we're, that, that, like, we're talking about it because it's Linux probably, but we haven't talked at all about, like, it being good for Linux or not? Or, like, is that just, I think that we're just, it's all, we assume that this is what Linux does now, right? It's in embedded systems, it's in cars, it's. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so, huh? Yeah. I uh, I guess my I guess maybe because I get a little lost in the t- my thoughts are like what version of Linux is yeah, it? That's a good question. What kernel is it running? There's not a lot of details no, here, even no. about the product. Let no, alone if there the was, I'd be system. talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So I haven't really thought about like what does it mean for Linux. I guess I don't think about that much anymore. We used to, I've I've mentioned this recently, but we used to be we used to be supremely concerned with the TVization of Linux. Mm-hmm. That was a supreme concern for us, and. Uh, Really, sort of the impetus of the GPL three. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, that was the the, the TiVo issue of like trying to lock down Linux or and, violating. And now the, here we the are, Linux. and there's a foundation that's. <laughs> All right. So moving on, uh, this is something that I think Popey's really going to have to get in on. I know he likes cryptocurrencies quite a bit. Popey, we should really make you our cryptocurrency reporter. Yeah. To be honest, in you, the uh, field. Yeah, in the field. Uh, uh, on the on the on the lines of the Brexit, in the bits where uh, on the lines of Brexit, where uh, cryptocurrency will become more relevant than ever, is our field reporter, Popey, uh, and uh, submitted to the desk of Mr. Popey was this story by uh, by BBC, and uh, it is Burger King launching a Whopper coin in in Russia, and the reason why I wanted to put this in here is because uh, of course this is going to happen. You open source blockchain technology, of course this is going to mm-hmm. happen. This is the natural progression when you open source a fundamental technology like this. So Russians will be able to buy a Whopper with virtual cash once they have amassed 1,700 Whopper coins. Whopper coins. That's a lot, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Waves is implementing this. The, uh, the They're going to use a blockchain ledger to keep track of uh, who's gotten coins, although some people say they've been getting screwed already. So here you go, ladies and gentlemen. This is a Burger King helping usher in a cyber dystopia. Thank you, Burger King. And of course, it's Russia. It's either Russia or Florida. How is this any different than the half a dozen store loyalty cards that I already have in my wallet that I, I get better. no value out of? I think it's actually better, to tell you the truth. You know, I mean, you tell me you're a crypto reporter, Poby, but to me, this actually seems a little more legit because honestly, especially if I could trade, say, you know, you're a big Whopper guy, you want to go get a Whopper and a brew, I could I could throw you some of my Whopper coins. Well, not only that, but uh, I'm sure there's going to be a, a Whopper coin to Bitcoin exchange rate. Oh, my gosh. This really it seems is, to me you're yeah. going to have to eat an awful lot of Whoppers it does seem like in order that. for this to be worth anything at all. Or you've just got to hang around outside and accost everyone who gets their Whopper coins and buy them uh, when the clueless people who don't know anything about uh, – about uh, blockchain stuff, which sure. obviously isn't me. Well, um, you can always right. Of course, you're a reporter. But what if? What about? Right. I mean, I mean, in your opinion, what about getting into like Whopper coin day trading, where you? But depending on you, peg it to like say the dollar, and when the Whopper coin is strong and the dollar is weak, you could trade Whopper coins to other people using their iOS and Android apps. I mean, that seems. Well, I was thinking just amassing a ton of Whopper coins, and then you you just hoard them, and you wait for the Bitcoin price to crash. 
transferred all the bitcoins, and suddenly you just made a bunch of bitcoin. Okay, from which I'm still going to spend on hamburgers, but whatever. So I guess the only natural conclusion, and Wimpy, this is just a suggestion. I'm just gonna. I'm an idea guy. I'm gonna throw it out here for you. You can choose to run with this, but uh, I think you should seriously consider implementing a Matecoin. <laughs> and then here's the here's the thing. You what you do is you patch Kaja. And uh, people could uh, share their local storage into a pooled encrypted shared cloud storage using BitTorrent to distribute files. And the more storage you share and bandwidth you share, the more Matecoin you own, you you earn. So, so you know you know that that exactly what you've described exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not that original, am I? <laughs> yeah, it's very very good actually. Yeah, yeah. It's storage storage share. Yeah, S T O R J. Uh, and there's a a daemon, a command line version, a terminal version, and there's a GUI version. That's too funny. But you don't get any burgers. There's no hamburgers involved with this. Well, no, just, there, I'm sure there'd be Bitcoin, an exchange, right? Which Maybe is I the can, downside. Exchange it to Whopper Coin. That'd be okay. Yeah. I, uh, I think we we need to discuss the most important question. Can the Whopper Coin be used for chicken fries? <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially the Cheeto ones, right? And you dip those yeah. suckers in. Or is ranch. it just Whoppers? Because right. that'd be disappointing. Right, right. Okay, I got. Uh, I have to. I have to admit something. Um, and this is this. This technically qualifies. Yeah, you know how that makes me feel. Yeah, yeah. And the value of this is negative. So Wimpy was right. Wimpy, Wimpy was right. Uh, <sighs> this never happens. <sighs> VR is dead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extract this clip and yeah. play it to my wife tomorrow. No, I'll say it right now. I'm nice and clean right up front. I hate to admit it, but Wimpy was right. VR was hype. It's officially dead according to TechCrunch, and I think they're right because the metric they're using is is kind of sound. It's this year's E3. Uh, it's the biggest gaming date in the gaming industry. It's known under its full title as the Electronic Entertainment Expo. Huh? Huh? Woo! Uh-huh. Uh, and there was uh, an Oculus-shaped rift. <laughs> Where there should have been a lot of showing off of new games. And HTC is dropping their price as well as Oculus. Um, and uh, TechCrunch's Lucas Matney says, over the past several months, it's become clear that the war is no longer HTC and Oculus trying to discover who is Betamax and VHS. Now they're trying to ensure that high-end VR does not turn out to be laser discs. Uh. My counterpoint to you, Chris? <sighs> Star Trek Bridge Crew. Haven't tried it. You know, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about while I have a Windows 10 machine trying it because I have one for like I feel I feel like this week I'm gonna have a Windows 10 machine and that's about as long as I'm gonna make it. I should give it a go because VR can't possibly be dead if you can play Star Trek on it. Chris. I I know. Like I, have, I mean, I have seen it at like some bars and other type venues that have these sorts of like. And there's at least one in Seattle that has uh, like you can go there and play VR, including. Star Trek, so I think you can have like a party where you rent multiple of their rooms and then you're all playing Star Trek together. No kidding? Yeah, so that sounds fun, but that doesn't make it necessarily the same sort of cost benefit for an individual consumer. I also think that they're they're not counting the fact that uh, PlayStation just added VR to their system. Like, that's a relatively large user base that they're going to be targeting. Well, they added that in December last year, didn't they? And the and the sales were well well lower than they were anticipating. Well, yeah, but uh, I didn't I didn't know that this was the the topic that was going to come up. Um, but what's interesting is I happened to be thinking about the whole VR thing uh, because you know predictions for this year, you know December's coming, and I was reflecting on my predictions this year, which have the usual 
um, VR is rubbish in it. And um, I went back and I listened to what what uh, episode number is this of Linux Unplugged? Two twelve. Okay, so I listened back to episode eighty two of Linux Unplugged, where Popey and I have a rather heated exchange about the relevancy of VR. Uh-oh. And everything that was discussed back in episode 82 is the same today. <sighs> I had a good experience and I just wanted other people to, I just wanted, I, I feel like the problem was it was the hardware and it was the expense. What, were you going to say something, Popey? I, I was just trying to remember that, that conversation. I tried to block it out of my mind sure, because sure. Martin was right. And you're focused um, on cryptocurrencies, <laughs> obviously. Oh my goodness, I'm so having that as my ringtone. <laughs> Martin was right. <laughs> I do hope everyone else was talking over me so Martin can't grab yeah, a clean Yeah, no, Martin was right. Sounded, Martin was right. Sounded clean to me. Right. Talk over, <laughs> talk it. over. Um, so did we talk about only VR or did we talk about AR as well? Uh, I think back then we were only talking about VR. Mm, I think okay. we touched on AR at the very end. I think I, I suggested that that might be the only thing that would be useful. Well, you, clever. you might be right on that because Google have announced AR Core yeah. for yep. Android. Yeah, that's the thing today. So AR Core, which is a lot like AR Kit... Kind of even kind of sounds a bit alike, and the reason why these are pretty uh, pretty substantial is you can you can write once and run on both because you're talking about Unity and Unreal Four here, and then the the tools in between will make it run on AR Kit or in theory now AR Core, and I've been seeing you know if you step outside the Linux bubble, uh, I gotta say there there have been some some significantly impressive AR demos. I'm sure we've all seen them on Twitter mm-hmm. and stuff of the iPhone with iOS 11. Like there is there is some really interesting stuff happening there and it does make sense to do it at at the phone level because you got all those sensors for where you're at in space, the angle of the device, the cameras um, which has already had a ton of, you know, development effort poured into them over the years. And then, and then, and then a really solid way to deliver new versions of the apps, which need cutting edge development to stay competitive. It just makes sense to do it there. But I, I mourn for the loss of high end VR on the PC because it's so much better than anything you could do with cardboard or even mm. AR. Yeah. See, I don't think VR is dead. I think just the VR hype is dying. I think VR is continuing to progress and starting to come more in line with consumer expectations in terms of price that's why the price drops are coming not because i don't i don't think that this is an issue about price i think the issue is you have to wear equipment which tethers you to a computer and the solution to that apparently is to buy a backpack that you put your computer in so you can now walk around tethered to this computer that you carry and then all of these sensors that you have to rig up in a room to know where you are Ultimately, you're blindfolded. You can't actually see what you're doing. So you're just an accident waiting to happen. And then there's the expense on top. So there's a lot of reasons why VR's just got a, lo- a load of reasons why are, I mean, are you mass saying, consumer adoption is a long way away. Are you saying that VR's problem is the PC? Um, yes, to some extent. Jeez, that makes me sad. But the, the fact that you're blindfolded, you know, and you, you get these baby walkers that you can stand in, so you can now run around and walk around because you're sort of harnessed inside this safe space. The 360 yeah, degree. It, uh, it's just yeah. just the solutions, the solutions that are being created for this are just mental. I've always thought the escapist aspect of it would be too too overwhelming, too appealing to deny, and that it would take off just because 
it would be like another drug. It would be like another way to escape reality. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's like that's that's not why it has problems. That's why I want it. It's putting me in a completely different reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it's, for, it sounds fun, especially with those three sixty degree treadmill stuff. Yeah. That's why I can see it in like you know bigger places or community events or bars or venues, and maybe not like. Not in my home anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, though, I mean, AR is obviously going to get a lot of attention over the, yeah. over the next year. Especially in the industrial space. Yeah, but they've but it's the same thing about AR. People have been saying AR is going to be is more interesting than VR, and it's basically gone nowhere for the exact same amount of stuff. Like, yeah, the but amount I, of I would be willing to bet you a dinner same. the next time you're out in this neck of the woods for an event. I'll bet you a dinner that by this time next year, we're talking a lot more about AR just because of AR Core and AR Kit. Because uh, AR Kit is going to ship on every Apple device that supports iOS 11, which is going to be 80% of the iPhones in the marketplace. They're all going to have this AR capability. Wow. And you know the new feature on the iPhone 8 is going to be dual cameras that have depth-sensing sensors that are going to support AR Kit. Yeah, but I I don't want to experience augmented reality through my my little phone screen. No, no. But maybe this is the maybe this is the trajectory. Maybe you have to start here to get buy off on on this concept. I don't know. But I, do you want to go ahead? Do you want to experience virtual reality sat down because it's the only safe way to experience this reality? Yeah. No, because that's the, the 360. I'm kind of lazy, though. I, I mean, if I'm going to be in there for hours, I kind of want to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> See, true. to me, the only compelling augmented reality thing, and I, I know I'm on Linux Unplugged, but it's it's the HoloLens. Like, it, it, it's if you're going to do AR, that is how you do it. Oh. Yeah, and then on VR... We've still just got a bunch of tech demos. There is no compelling titles. If there was, oh, I disagree VR. with you on that. If there was, you know what? I have more faith. Where's the suns on VR. I have more faith in AR Core that was announced today by Google than I do in Hololens, just because Microsoft can't ship anything other than Azure. That's the only thing they ship these days. We we had this this conversation. All right, we should, yeah, okay. Right. All right. I have one thing I want to I want to punt to you guys. Um, Minimac had uh, had an opinion about this in the pre-show. I wanted to I wanted to bring it up here. Joe and I, Joe Resington and I, talked about Sailfish charging for their new ROM that they're customizing for the Sony Xperia X. 50 pounds, I think it was, or I can't remember. Actually, where's the price at? 50 euros. 50 euros. I can't tell them apart. Uh, I'm kidding. Was uh, was the price. And I actually, in, in Linux Action, I thought, shit, they should charge 100. Uh, because it's what they're, what they're eventually promising is grade a support for the sony xperia wow. x running sailfish they're not there yet there's some of the sensors that don't work bluetooth doesn't work but the idea is ongoing support for this device and they've included licensing for things like exchange so minimac uh I, you you want to do a couple of follow-up points from linux action news 16 i think it was if i'm recalling correctly uh why don't you take some of the highlights there and then maybe we'll kick it around and see what other people had to add yeah, thanks. So as mentioned before, I'm by no means a Sailfish developer. I'm maybe a script kitty for the Nexus 5 port, nothing more. So as you said in the show, the Xperia X is considered to be a first-class device for Sailfish OS, and that includes the license parts. That means uh, Android support, T9 root prediction, and Microsoft Exchange support. So one part of these 50 bucks is simply license fees. But there is a cool thing about it. Yola will publish the source code of the hardware adaptation layer called libhybris uh, for the device in the coming week or weeks. 
So there will be a free community port for the Sony Xperia X. And that is the cool thing about it, because this is a milestone. The Xperia X is the first ARM 64-bit port of Selfish OS. And mm. that might be well. the start of other Sony and other devices running 64-bit chipsets. Ah, ah. So they're doing they're doing the legwork to get this working on ARM 64. Well, okay. So what about Joel's point then that, well, if there's a community version available, where do they get off charging 50 bucks for it? Like, what's the incentive to pay for that? I think that's what Joe's concern was. Like, why would I pay 50 bucks for something I can get for free? I guess the idea is that you have uh, software for Windows 10 and even Ma uh, Mac OS and Linux where you can click install uh, the ROM on your existing mm. Sony Xperia X device yeah. in the future. Yeah. But for now, you need a Linux uh, computer yeah. because right now you, you have to use a console for it. Producer Mike, what are your thoughts about charging something like this for a ROM? And, and let's just for sake of conversation say it was like lineage even. So something that's super available, but it's just been totally designed for insert Android handset here. Uh, and it's uh, like perfectly designed for that, perfectly tuned. I would say well, that it would be it's – it's the business model itself is not necessarily a bad thing. If they were to, say, make a freemium version where you could get a small, get extra features for paying for it, that'd be cool. But as long as it's not like you know lim limiting the phone in any way, but it's just like an extra thing. Or it's more like if you want to support us, here's a way to do that and buy this particular thing. Like that kind of thing is fine. And I don't even care if they only did a premium and that's it. Um, I just don't like who it's coming from. Hmm. Oh. Tell me about that. Well, I mean, I, how, I don't, I don't, I don't trust Yola. Like, I, I can't. You can't trust Yola, in my opinion, mainly because how much of this fifty dollars is going back to the money that they owe people for the tablet? Well, that I mean, yeah, okay, maybe, yeah. So, like, if they still owe people like a hundred, hundred fifty dollars, depending on what level they were in, like, why would anyone trust them to buy a software that doesn't even work right now? Like, yeah, you can put it on your system, and you also there's like fundamental pieces that do not work. Well, uh, I'm surprised to hear that because you in the United States have this thing that you, a company can fail, and Yola failed with the Yola tablet, and I was one of the backer, but still they live on and they try to continue and to try to to do something which is really good for the community. So I can't agree with you, really. And most of, of yeah, the but, selfish okay. when they, when they paid money back to the people that they didn't get the money to, that would be fine. If they didn't, they are give trying the, to. They are trying to. Okay, good. If they go, if they say how much money of this fifty dollars per per unit per purchase goes to that, that'd be great. But until they do that, we don't have any information except trust us. No, they they have a program which says when the Yola is making a profit, they will take a part of this profit and pay back the backers. So that was announced at the beginning of the year. I uh, I don't I don't really have an issue with the price either. The price seems really reasonable. So it seems like if this yeah, is the how they're going to pay that back, it's going to yeah, it's going to yeah. take them a while to mm -hmm. do it. If this is how they're going to, I bet a big part of how they're paying that back is coming from. Um, the more business deals that they're that was what i got when i did some digging for linux action news is they've they've lined up a couple of like customization jobs for businesses and those that's that's going to pay some of that back but you're right but, you don't really know yeah you don't know and if, if the software was ready to go when they announced this and it wasn't like hey 
here's these things that don't work. And one of them happens to be very important to a lot of people, Bluetooth, like that, that you, you need to fix that before you ship it. And like, if I would be interested because if they had, if this, if this ROM was fully functional right out of the box and I don't have to wait for, for like some absurd, you know, early adopter thing, because uh, if it's an early adopter, I'm just picking it up and then just flashing it myself. That's fine. But yeah. if I have to flash it myself and have to pay for it, then I expect it to work because it's a, it's a premium product. Yeah, yeah. But yep. the Xperia the Xperia X is a pretty reasonable price phone. Fifty dollars extra on top of that, still way under like the majority flagship Ooh. phones. So I would be interested as long as the ROM worked. I have I have good memories of Selfish OS too. Uh, all right. Well, we should move on because we have many things to talk about. Yeah, but wrap it up. Go ahead. For for Bluetooth, I think there are two problems with Bluetooth right now. So first, there have been big changes to the operating system. They introduced Blues 5 for devices that ah, have uh, run nice. kernels that run the Blues 5 API. And the other problem might be the Qualcomm chipset, which is certified for Bluetooth 4.2. So I guess they're just filling out these problems. And maybe even the community can help them to fill out these problems. Well, Manny Mac, thank you for keeping us posted on that. That is, that is good perspective, and I appreciate it. And uh, if you want to know what sort of inspired this entire converse- conversation, check out linuxactionnews.com. We've got the, uh, the latest stuff from there. Uh, and uh, if you think of anything else, uh, let's uh, let's include it in the post show. I think uh, we should probably keep going. There's like <laughs> it's more to talk about today. You made us an amazing show. I mean, like 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 we have so much more to get to, including I want to. I really want to unbox yeah. this uh, this Librem and check it out. I have I have really no idea what to expect. Uh, so let's let's talk about how we made this show possible. Uh, it's it's our first sponsor this week, and that's Linux Academy. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged that's where you can sign up for a free seven-day trial and support the show linux academy is a platform to learn more about linux created by linux enthusiasts from the basics all the way up to the big platforms that make the big bucks these days linux academy is really something special with human mentoring available instructors when you need it and a community stacked full of jupiter broadcasting members whether you're an experienced sysadmin or new to the world of linux azure and aws openstack and devops a sharp skill set is an absolute necessity to succeed. Meet Linux Academy, an online Linux and cloud training platform that uses self-paced video courses and hands-on labs to give you real-world experience for a wide range of skills. Train for your certification, learn the latest DevOps tools, and grow your skill set to do better work. Linux Academy is not just a video library. Our scenario-based server labs and quiz system allow you to learn hands-on. We also have full-time human instructors who answer questions and help you earn that certification or promotion at work. We add new training every week, so you'll always be up to date on the latest tech. Sysadmins of every experience level use Linux Academy to stay on the bleeding edge of the Linux ecosystem. You should too. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged, free seven-day trial. It is really a secret weapon. I can only imagine if I could go back in time. It'd be like if I was if I was uh, uh, t- Bick, or what's his name? What's the guy's name? Bick? Bick Tannen? What's the guy's name from Back to the Future, the bad guy? Yeah, I think it's Bick. Is it Bick? Why does it doesn't sound right? Is it Biff? Biff. Well, Biff. Yeah, Biff. Biff. Yeah, if I was Biff Tannen, if I was Biff Tannen and I had the sports almanac, only this would be Linux Academy. It would be a Linux Academy. And I go back in time with Linux Academy and I'd know all the answers. But now, of course, all them young whippersnappers. Like, hey, I'm really good with System well, D. All them people looking for gerbs, all those people looking to get get ahead. Now you, they got Linux Academy. You know what would be even better, Chris? What? Is if you went back and you started Linux Academy. Oh. 
I should have. LinuxAcademy.com <laughs> slash unplugged. Thanks to them and uh, sign up for a free seven-day trial. All right, let's talk about a, qu- a couple of quick things in Mumble Room. Feel free to jump the F in if you got something even better that uh, kind of conclude our conversation about replacing LastPass. Do you have any thoughts on remote backup, Wes, before we go any further? Remote backup in general, uh, because we were, last week we had to talk about uh, Crash Plan was uh, dropping their personal plan, right? And, and that's sort of like that really good yeah. deal unless you just send a ton of data mm-hmm. up there, and you got to get the f off the service. We talked about different options. Do you have any immediate thoughts? Do you want to chime in anything on offsite backup on anything like that? I mean, I think you guys did a pretty good job of uh, rounding it up. I use Tarsnap myself uh, for some things, and then I also uh, have a couple friends, and we do uh, have some you know set up some boxes that we can do. Uh, our oh, nice. from which works pretty nicely yeah. yeah okay what about you beardsley there is uh there is one service that we didn't mention that i'm surprised we didn't mention at least i don't think we did and that's backblaze well we mentioned in the context of b2 or whatever mm, because of yeah. their linux support yeah yeah um uh ws hacks wrote in on the subreddit and said i'm surprised spider oak didn't come up which is my bad i'm a i'm a spider oak subscriber yeah, <laughs> Uh, he says it's one of the few consumer-focused backup services that I know of that has a Linux client. Uh, besides Tarsnap and rclone, the other options I looked at are rsync.net. Uh, so that's so that was what he had to had to add. I know rsync.net now does you can do like ZFS send to them, so that's pretty sweet. That if you is, have a big ZFS array, that is really sweet. Alan Jude should get into something like that. Yeah, that would right? be right in his. Uh, That'd be right. His yeah, I'd send, I'd send some some bits over to Alan. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. looked up Backblaze. It is super damn cheap for B two. It's half a cent per gigabyte per month. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So I thought Backblaze didn't really, support Linux, really, really, but B two. You're looking at B two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like uh, our clone of Webnots does support B two. So well, not only that, but they now have duplicity. their they have their own command line Linux client as well. Uh, is that right? Yep. Ah, right. Uh, now, Mister Wimpy, you were going to make a mention about NPass. Yes, this isn't a backup utility, but an alternative to LastPass mm-hmm. for storing your passwords. Which you probably need to back up. Yeah, uh, and the way that MPass works is, unlike LastPass, they don't provide the cloud storage backend. It's client software that runs on all the different platforms. And then you then sync your wallet with whatever backend file syncing service you choose to use. Do you want to, yeah, do, and the price is very like it's 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 free unless you want to do mobile stuff, and then it's only like ten bucks hmm. per device. So, Wimpy, do you feel like divulging what you've chosen to sync it with? Uh, well, I have it synced in Dropbox at the moment because it's all locally encrypted, so there's nothing going into Gosh. Dropbox that Gosh. I need to worry about. I was hoping you'd say because you hate freedom. I knew there was a low chance, but I just thought that'd be really funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, that's what I'm using so, too myself. Yeah, Dropbox is still being used for a lot of stuff, mm-hmm, and for mm-hmm. offsite backups, yep. I'm using Rclone and S3. Ah, I am. Oh, and how are you liking that? Yep, very good. And I've also got Amazon um, Photo Storage and Amazon um, File Storage through Amazon Prime. And what I like about that is you can actually instigate cloud to cloud transfers. So you don't have to Rclone all of your stuff down locally Mm. and then push it somewhere you can actually clone it between cloud storage backends without having to pull it down (laughs) wow that is nice uh mr Popey, you weren't here last week either do you have any thoughts on offsite backup or want to share anything you've tried and had success with uh so yeah i 
don't do any offsite backup. I do it all to a home server. So yeah, if my house went up in flames, I'd lose everything. That's bad. And I keep not quite getting around to anything. And I, I've tried most of these. I've tried, um, what was the one you mentioned? Spider Oak. Yeah. And I found it atrocious user interface. Yeah. And terribly slow. slow. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm keen to know what other people use that are that are good and reliable and that I can just fire and forget and not have to faff about and worry about it yeah. with large volumes of data because I, I have a huge um, multi-terabyte array with all my backups on at home and I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what was that? Hi, Chris. It's Ben. How are you doing? Hi. What was your suggestion, Ben? Well, I just wanted to talk about uh, this part of the show. Um, well, uh, I've always used uh, I've used RSync a couple times, and I've also used Google Drive and uh, uh, what else uh, OneDrive and a couple of other different solutions. Uh, and also, um, can I jump back to the Gentoo part for just a minute? I just wanted to say that I'm willing to help you on that on that front. That's what I wanted to point out. Oh, you're going to take the challenge welcome with us? Aboard. Yes, yeah, welcome I aboard. Yeah, welcome aboard. I wanted to help you guys out at Very any good. point. If you get stuck in the installation or anything like that, I'm willing to help. Oh, out. I'm not so, so worried yeah. about that. I mean, I'm, I feel like I can do that. I, I feel yeah. like I'm more like I just want somebody to do it with us. It's like, you know, when you're yeah, trying to... Yeah, I'm willing to jump on okay. board. That's right. fine, because okay. I've installed it half a dozen times. Sure. I mean, Spatry even said I've installed it more times than people change things. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay, so to our topic at hand here... Uh, so you're using rsync to offsite what? Like you're going? To, are you going well, to? I've uploaded uh, different Linux respins and different things like that, mm. and different ISOs, and I've I've helped out a couple of different people with their Linux respins, and I've uploaded stuff for them on rsync and different stuff like that. So, <laughs> so yeah, I've uploaded several different files and stuff like that that I've had to back up the different cloud sourcings like SourceForge, GitHub, different stuff like that with rsync and. Surfrock wrote into the show, and he says, in regards to Crash Plan eliminating home accounts, he says, here's what led me to convert to a Crash Plan Pro account. He did some soul searching. He did the math. He looked at the fact that he's got a NAS server with 12 terabytes on it. He's got uh, some Dropbox systems that he wants to send off site. He's got a couple of machines he wants to backup. He said, now, I could do a single backup of my entire home to the local server, you know, all over like some sort of NFS or SOM amount. And and then still, like, trying to do all the math, he says the best thing for me is to just go for Crash Plan Pro. It's 120 U.S. greenbacks a year, but the backups not only capture all of your data, they also capture all of the configs for all of the machines, which to him was sort of like the, ah, that's, that's the censure for me. Mm-hmm. I want a utility that'll blast everything back to exactly the way it was, not just back up the data, but everything the way it was. And that's where Crash Plan Pro yeah, for I mean, him. That's like on, you know, that's on the more managed side of services. And in that scenario, I think $120 a year, if you can afford it, is is a reasonable amount for the kind of protection that you get. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I, uh, it's that, it comes always back to that question of like, how much do you, you know, as a, as a sysadmin or type, similar person who can do some things, is this something you outsource or is it something you mm-hmm. roll yourself? He says, when I kind of laid it all out with the wife, she said, he says the spousal approval factor is pretty high. Especially when I mention the pictures. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a, that's an important one, though. Uh, we kind of invented digital cameras and then didn't come up with yeah. a reliable way to make sure you could keep those pictures. Yeah. Uh, a spider oak. So my, so my thing has always been like, it's what I use spider oak for is to back up Dropbox, which is like, it's like my belt and suspenders approach to Dropbox. 
but it's really excessive and it's really slow and it depends on one machine running that has both spider oak and dropbox it's installed like that's your sync machine yeah, like okay. why can't i can't why can't one connect to the other and just do it like cloud to cloud you know i mean it's just it's just servers. It's mm-hmm. not like they, they don't need some desktop. It's all just Linux. Do they really need a desktop PC in between? They can't talk directly to each other? Give me a break. And that's, of course, you're never going to get that with these closed source. So uh, one of the things that a lot of people wrote into the show, a lot of people wrote into the show about was NextCloud. I, I don't think we've ever gotten more people suggesting wow. NextCloud ever than we did in response to all of this. Offsite sync. Um, but the thing that people really brought up was that's where I store a lot of my data that is uh, resync so calendar contacts photos right notes they just keep them on nextcloud and then they reload the machine and then the, the nextcloud syncs that stuff back to that's a pretty good way to do it yeah but at the same time like if it's critical data i'm not like uh, a security engineer or are you sure that beard's pretty legit <laughs> like i i don't trust myself to be able to take care of that data. That's why I want to offload it to another service. Mm. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. There's that. That's fair. Yeah. Because that's what they do. Yeah. That's their thing. Yeah. They spend their entire day doing that stuff. I think that's what's sort of great about open source, though, is there is a good contingent of us out there that uh, we are... I, I really kind of ebb and flow on it. Some stuff I'm willing to maintain myself, and some stuff... I'm willing to just like sort of off. Yeah, for, for, I agree. For me, it varies depending on how important what you're. Yeah, how interested it is. is, how easy it is for you, and, yeah. and that kind of changes depending on what. How you much do. it would hurt you if you lost it. Right, right, yes. yeah. And backups, though, are. We see what I really dream of is something that is like a. Is this possible? But maybe even like a 15-year system. Is that just ridiculous? These are your backups. Like you know, these are your photos and your your music and your documents and. Your creations, like, you're going to want them for a while, right? And in the past, they would have all been physical things that would have gone in boxes that you would have stored somewhere ridiculously. And then your family would have had to do something with when you died. But now and I were want... you making three copies of that that you put at different people's houses? Well, that's that just can... it. Like, the longer I go, am I just building up more and more shit that I'm going to have to keep converting to newer formats, drag to new cloud storage services, move to new types of open source programs that come online, hosted by new cloud providers? Am I just going to drag all this stuff with me? And the thing is, is the more dispersed it is, the less control I have over it now, the less flexibility I'll have down the road. You see, so, so there is some logic to all of these people writing in saying, use NextCloud. Because at least then you have some sort of escape hatch. Like right now, I got a ton of stuff in Google, and Google's going to be around for a really long time. Will they? Will I be using Google services for fifteen years? I doubt it. And at some point, I'm going to have to come to that reality of having to migrate all of my crap out of their crap. Well, even with like I've had that with the Dropbox. I kind of just stopped using Dropbox at one point. I still had stuff in it. I and then you know I have to make sure that my account stays open, or I have to then make sure that I migrate. So there are. I had to go through my entire Dropbox and remove everything. Mm-hmm. I think this is why some of us feel compelled to build like super NASs in our houses and just just get something that has a ton of disk and you know, like Popey, just mine crypto coin and have a bunch yeah, of disks right, yeah. and just keep it all local. You could veracrypt stuff, maybe, and put stuff on these services. And use, of course, ZFS to prevent bit rot. <laughs> well, that's just important. <laughs> I'll just take a nap and let it back up to Tarsnap. I don't want to lose my Whopper coins. 
Well, you know, and a lot of them are like, uh, Doug, Chris, uh, NextCloud on DigitalOcean. I don't know if you've heard, Chris, but DigitalOcean is a really easy and quick way to spin up droplets in less than 55 seconds. Install <laughs> install BSD and get ZFS and SSDs. <laughs> All right. So now this is sponsor time right here. DigitalOcean.com. Go over there, create an account, and use our promo code DOUnplugged. You'll get a $10 credit, and uh, then you can spin up their $5 rig. Or yeah, I love their three cents an hour machine because you get a lot of resources and a lot of memory and a lot of core and a lot of everything for three cents an hour. Everything you deploy will use SSDs from their uh, really nice low end, like you can't even believe how little you're paying for it systems, all the way to the systems that are monsters. Have you seen like their 200 plus gigabyte RAM systems? And their new high CPU system. High CPU. Yeah. And you can manage it all with a simple API, which means if you start getting more and more droplets, which does eventually happen because they're great for everything. You can deploy them all over the world. You can get set up in seconds. You can get started with an entire open source stack or a single low-level OS. You're going to end up using the API. And the API is so well done, you're going to love it. Lightning fast networking, highly available storage. You can attach as you need up to 16 terabytes. Oh, 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 oh. And use ZFS. And use ZFS, just like the beard was saying, because it shows up as a block storage device. And what you you could you could use that, or you know what, you know what, you could make the Susa folks happy, and you could use ButterFS. You sure could play around with it. You know, I hear uh, RAID five and six are pretty popular. You give that a go. See, oh. The nice thing about Do is if once you get tired of that, you just blow it away. Yeah. One button click, one mm-hmm. API call, it's mm-hmm. gone. Yeah, and uh, something that uh, the ButterFS folks really love is uh, it. You know, they also have snapshots. So you can take snapshots of your system before you uh, create some sort of offense. In fact, because that API is uh, really nice and well-documented, you'll find that there's open-source projects that might integrate with your package manager, Fedora, that will actually take a snapshot of your DigitalOcean droplet before it installs all your packages. So if something blows up, you can revert right back. That's awesome. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code DOUnplugged. Big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Unplugged program. And thanks to everybody out there for using the DO Unplugged promo code after they create their account at DigitalOcean.com. So this week, the smoke was revealed from, I'm sorry, the fire was revealed from the smoke that is the Librem 5. And the Librem 5 is Purism's attempt to build a GNU slash Linux powered open source phone that uh, respects your uh, privacy. And your GNU slash freedoms. Now it's going to start around six hundred dollars, which is actually a pretty pretty reasonable price for a bona fide smartphone. That's the world we live in. And uh, it's got one interesting element that, out of all of the things about it, impressed me, is its support for matrix phone calling. Now, I, I have a quite a bit of skepticism about a fundraiser for $1.5 million for a smartphone in 2017. Uh, but I thought before before we really even go there, uh, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about it. it uh, they say it'll be the world's first IP native mobile handset for a new kind of cord cutter. And that cord cutter is one that's cutting the cord from the cellular network. Hey, yo. Which I actually feel like is, not to make this a, a, a sponsor thing, but sort of why I use Ting, because I just pay for what I use and I try not to use the cellular network mm-hmm. because screw the cellular networks. Screw those carriers. And so Ting is sort of like my hack around that. And now apparently it just turns out I'm a new kind of uh, cord cutter hipster. You sure are, yeah. I didn't even know it. And uh, all of you Ting users out there didn't even and you're know you're not going to get credit for it either. Don't worry. And the other thing about this phone is it's not shipping iOS. It's not shipping Android. It's shipping PureOS, which is their Linux distribution. They're working with the Matrix Project 
to get that calling and texting. It's going to be like a full-fledged messaging platform. Wow. It's not just phone calls. It's going to have a five-inch screen. It'll have hardware kill switches for the camera, microphone, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and the baseband. That's a lot of switches. It is a lot of switches. It's kind of like spiky on the outside of the phone. Maybe. I'm wondering. I'm wondering about that. They say they're going to have a separate CPU and baseband. They're going to have... Really? Mm Mm-hmm. That's... Now that's something. So... What do you think, Wes? 2017, to get in, to get a phone of any real substance, uh, to get a phone and a charger, you got to back it at $599, $600 US dollars, and estimated delivery is January of 2019. That's a long, that's, that's, a, that's a ways away. And I wonder, it, it just seems like there's been a hard time in the past to, to get these things. Like right now, if I could have that phone right now, yeah, all right, that seems great. I would try it. I would use it. I'm, I'm curious about it. A lot of that appeals to me. But that's a long time. We've seen things slip in these kinds of projects. And the money I'm paying is money today. Will that really have mm-hmm. hold the same value in a year and a half or whatever? Yeah, yeah. If this was a pledge that you could get this, that they know that there's people who want to do it and are willing to give them money, but not taking the money even when the campaign's over, waiting until it's actually like a physical thing. That I'd be happy to do, but I'm six hundred dollars for a phone for in a year and a half. Nah, no thanks. What about something that uh, that uh, sort of shakes up the whole iOS Android death grip? No, I mean, as far as PRS is, they're, they're, what they're saying that they're doing is amazing. Like there are there are certain aspects of this phone that is I I would love it, especially the separate baseband thing because that they, that brings so much potential to the mobile platform as a as the linux mobile uh, advocate that i want to be that is something that was fundamentally important 1.5 million dollars 55 days to go they've raised 8.55 percent as we record so that's 128,000 um so I think I was I think I was a backer of their first fundraiser. Yep. I think that's how I got the Libram fifteen. It's been a little while now. The reason why I lose track is because I've kind of lost track of how many fundraisers there's been. Because I think there's there's been a couple of different fundraising campaigns at this point for different hardware. And I've kind of I've kind of lost track. I, I, I don't really I don't know I don't know if this is a bad thing or not. Is it does it become a red flag if you're three or four fundraisers in? Does that indicate that perhaps this is starting to become a business model in which that every few years you have to, or every year or so you have to do a fundraiser to keep going? That was one thing I was kind of bring up is I would almost have more confidence in this, like at least kind of with the with the Yala stuff. It feels like there is more of this business angle and I can kind of get on board or I have a little more faith that that will have the sort of traction or momentum to influence the industry industry or at least take a bite out of it. And the this kind of, so like you're saying, this sort of intermittent funding model does that have the same sort of stain power that we need to actually get market share, which is what you need to get apps that people want and users that are using it? I guess it's a way to maybe fish out consumer demand before you go all in on a product, perhaps? Well, to me, it it just looks more like they aren't making enough money that they can be able to do these projects themselves. Whether that's true or not, that's the perception it gives me. Hmm. Wimby, you're suggesting that they've created their own funding platform. I guess I hadn't noticed. You're right. This isn't Kickstarter Indiegogo, is it? No, it's that they're using their own platform, and I'm just wondering what people feel about that. Because if you're taking the money and managing it yourself, do we lose some of the oversight and 
right. having a place to go that's independent of the organization looking for the funding. And does it suggest this is going to be something that happens more often? Go ahead, Poppy. Uh, it also means that there's no publicly visible feedback. Like when I go to um, a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo or many of the others, uh, I know I can go and have a look in the um, the – uh, conversations that people are having in the comments and the comments underneath the updates to see what the general feel of that project is before I'm going to back it. If all I've got is the mouthpiece of the people who are making the project, I'm less inclined to, to feel I want to contribute to that thing. And they don't actually provide any policy information like how, like uh, what yeah. their structure of payment is either. Yeah, well, okay. Not only that, but like it doesn't make a whole lot of business sense to them because aren't they limiting their the, their number of eyes to the people that visit their site well and maybe they're just hoping that social outreach will uh i mean how do you really get people to your kickstarter page you got to get i th- i think they had to do this in order to be um fsf friendly you know you can't you can't make a fully pure fully free software device and then say come onto this non-free platform in order to back the thing like kickstarter or indiegogo because they're all completely non-free i think one of them mm. was on crowd supply but I can see why they would want to do it on their own site, but it smells a bit bad to me. It's not the first people to do that, though, because the GNU PG people did it as well. But can't, I mean, sure. okay, so okay, so that is an interesting thing to be aware of and something to consider. I mean, it does mean that you you bypass whatever rules are in place, uh-huh, like yeah. Yeah. Kickstarter and Indiegogo have certain criteria that must be met before you can just you can't just throw any old project. I mean, it looks like that on Indiegogo sometimes, but you can't just throw your project on there. There are some rules, and there's some opportunity for recourse if things go bad. What opportunity mm-hmm. for recourse do we have? directly with purism themselves if there's no intermediary who can say this project went south and you need to provide some kind of remuneration for the people who were um you know done done out of their their cold hard cash we also don't know if it's like a kickstarter style or if it's like the indiegogo where you can do both fixed or you know you get it automatically regardless if they meet the thing or not fix and flex so uh so outside of the uh, payment platform I mean I have we is there a bitterness developing around this concept or or is there still enthusiasm amongst us all gathered here today for a open source linux powered handset that you could in theory load any distro this one would be shipping with a debian derivative um which would support hooking up a mouse and keyboard and an hdmi device and you know quote unquote convergence if you want to start x um, the, the claim that it can run any Linux distribution is an interesting one, given that it's an MX board and therefore it would need, you know, you'd need to have a target for that platform. It, it's an ARM. The, board, the reason why it would be, it would be ARM, yeah. Um, so technically any distro could run on it, but in practice, somebody would have to enable that hardware for that distro. Right. Well, they they also because of the baseband that because they're doing a separated baseband with the firmware built into it, like that kind oh, of. Oh, I I understand that, but I'm just talking generally. You know, just just everything yeah. about the board. You know, forget well, something's not based on ARM for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's, Who is that? Who we got? Who? Oh, is that Poppy? Oh, Poppy, uh, you're breaking up. Hold on, say it again. Oh, sorry. Go again. Yeah, there you go. Now you're clear. So, thing that gets me is this is basically just a small computer, like the. GPD Pocket that people have been raving about, the small computer that has an HD display and a full-size keyboard is yeah. like a tiny, tiny netbooky kind of thing. It's not a 
distant step from that to the purism device, right? It's the, the, there are tricky things because it's a, it's got no hardware keyboard and it's, um, going to be used in a pocket with expected long battery life but there's not a giant leap from existing hardware that can run general purpose linux operating systems like the gpd pocket can okay modulo busted drivers for various things but that'll get fixed there's not a big leap from there to a mobile device that can run general purpose linux operating systems and we're talking some time away for this thing to be delivered so it's not unreasonable to think that that could be delivered I agree. I, I and uh, I tell you, if, I agree with all of you that said that if it was shipping today, it's something I would definitely consider purchasing. Yeah, I'd already be in, in, having it in my cart right now, checking out. You know, something yeah. I did notice about their announcement was they are not committing to specific hardware as well, which which or functionality. Yeah, the, the FAQ like, items like, clearly uh, states everything is subject to change. Yeah, so it's it, it's like they're asking you to back it, but they're also not committing to delivering you a specific product, which is really worrisome to me. Well, in a sense, like you could say that maybe because they don't want to commit to the hardware specs, because in a year from now or something like mm-hmm. that, or six months from now, the hardware specs would be would be so much different that they wanted to upgrade. And if they already committed to a certain thing, people would expect that this way they could say, well, we're going to upgrade it automatically and then you're going to get a better, more RAM or a different type of RAM or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Well, just just the other day, uh, they uh, did an update on their blog and they said that uh, the general interest in the fundraiser so far has kind of got us talking more with hard- hardware manufacturers. And based on their post here, what I grok is that they have a rough idea of what they're targeting they have an idea of the processor they th- i think it's going to be about four gigs of ram and then they have a couple of rough ideas but i don't think they're super committing yet because it's all subject to change because it is so far out i think that's pretty much it um i wonder if we will be in not too distant future in a position where these kinds of crowdfunding campaigns will be able to essentially print a device like this every time somebody backs it so the moment you back it, it's just on-demand manufacturing. You don't have to secure 1.5 million orders because you don't have to pre-order 300,000 units. You can, you can just print out a unit as – and, of course, printing I'm using loosely as a way to automate manufacturing. But you do have to wonder, when will that scale get to a point where they can do one-to-one ordering and it doesn't require a huge batch purchase that has to be planned out for a year in advance? Because – in some ways, it feels like that's what's holding back true unfettered development of a free Linux phone because you would need something that was reasonably priced, that was reasonably functional, and that people could actually get their hands on immediately. So the moment it started to tip into popularity, people could start ordering it, yep. like a Raspberry Pi Zero or a Raspberry Pi when they were brand new. Like those, there was a tipping point where resources were limited, but there were ways to get your hands on it. And and um, that's not possible for companies like Purism that are in this position trying to get off the ground with a new product like this. But that's I mean, kind of- to be fair, you could think about the fact that they don't have to uh, set up deals with different companies and OEMs and all this other stuff because they're, only, they're not making a software like an OS for you know a, a plethora of app, of 
devices. They're making one device and one OS for oh. that device. So what do you? I, so Michael, what do you think? If if this doesn't if this doesn't work, um, is this is this is this is this dream dead? Uh, no, I don't think it's dead because of UB ports and Plasma Mobile. What they're doing and the uh, Holium project is awesome. So it's just going to uh, be I a would, different version of the dream. Instead of having a, the one ideal device you can buy that just comes all ready to go, it's going to be you buy the hardware be, and then load yeah. your OS. Right. It's going to be you flash it yourself kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that's sort of what worked for Linux on the desktop, I guess. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's. that's the most likely to happen in general, uh, especially because all the projects, uh, especially the ones that are working together. Like the Hollyam project is a, a collaborative project to work with multiple different uh, approaches. So I like that. But I I hope Purism is successful in this and makes a fantastic device because I would really love to do it. I just can't convince myself to pay six hundred dollars for you know a dream. Hmm. <laughs> but I hope other people have th- money to 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 risk on that. So you know, feel free to back it so I can eventually get it. Well, speaking of their hardware, uh, arriving just in time for the show to give you a first impression is what appears to be. A brand new laptop from Purism. <gasps> so we'll talk about that in just a moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any closing thoughts, gentlemen, in the mumble room on the crowdfunder? Uh, anybody that decided to back it want to chime in? Uh, I'm, uh, I'll kick it to you for final comment. I, I, I really wish them all the success. Uh, having worked on a phone that didn't succeed, uh, I know this is hard, really hard. And even if you have a lot of people who are willing you on and are willing to get you like a significant chunk of the way, like Ubuntu edge got 12 million towards a 30 million target. And I know we didn't hit the target, but you know, we got, we got phones out in the market and we got an operating system out there. It was a lot of hard work. And I think they're going to need a lot of help Mm. to get this done. You know, I wish them all the best. Todd says, you know, just a few years later, uh, all you need is 1.5 now instead of 30 million. Do you have any thoughts on that? Hmm. Yeah, I I don't know the the mobile market well enough to know if that's actually true uh, or whether you'd get this. I mean, bear in mind these are two wildly different devices. The, yeah. the the Ubuntu Edge was a unicorn, you know, and with everything that phones now already have. Um, yeah. But I, I yeah for for it a general years purpose prior device to technology existing. Right. So I don't think I I think it's probably reasonable to say the numbers are lower yeah yeah the phone the phone that they're going to be using is an odm part so i imagine most of this money will go into funding the the required software development oh okay well we will have links in the show notes and i definitely would say i'm in the camp of somebody would love to see this work out i I would see your point about the manufacturing it seems like uh it's a shame that this hasn't been you know that the way it's gone never really involved the Linux Foundation because it seems like a, a some sort of group like that or something that could for spanning multiple projects facilitate and build those reliable connections to the actual manufacturing community because when we do it like respin these up every time it just it can't scale. Maybe somebody's run the numbers and said uh, we're going to focus on the car instead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I'll tell you what. If they ever ship it, I'll run it on Ting. Go over to. Were you going to say something? Do you want to? No, no. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you can if you want to. It's all right. Go to linux.ting.com. Linux.ting.com. Not there, not to get a burger, although that does sound delicious right now, but to get something even cheaper, and that's your mobile service plan. For just $23 per month, that's the average cost of a Ting plan. That includes your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes. The reason why is it starts at just $6 a month. 
and then it's your usage on top of that. Nationwide coverage, no contracts, no quote-unquote agreements. You just pair. You just pay for any pairs that you use. And by pairs, I mean minutes, messages, or megabytes. That's what I call them now. Uh, a fair price for however much you talk, however much you text, or however much data you use. You're always in control with their great tools, both on phone and their web app. You can buy a device directly from Ting. Really nice. The whole line of solid devices. Things that... Uh, I think often people don't think of uh, immediately when they think about getting like a value Android device. Ting is really good about spotting devices that are going to get updates or they got good functionality or they got great battery life and they're a great value. Of course, they've also got all the Cadillac devices, both on the uh, iOS and Android side. They have really fantastic customer service. But my favorite feature of Ting is paying for what I use because I feel like I'm, I'm, I am that hipster cord cutter for the new mobile age. I, I, I live on Wi-Fi. I live on Wi-Fi. Yeah, right. I, like I download my podcast before I leave. I pin my music to my device. I have photos backed up only when I'm on Wi-Fi. It's perfect for when I'm on the go. I just all of it's local, and and you know I don't want to be on the phone anymore when I'm driving, anyways. And those are really only times I'm off Wi-Fi these days, or if I'm maybe out shopping or doing something on the holidays. And that's why that's why it's perfect for Ting to fill in the gaps. CDMA and GSM networks, no contracts, no other termination fee, just six dollars a month plus Uncle Sam's tax. And then whatever you use, I love it. Some some months I'm a little busier. Some months I'm not busy at all. It all really averages out to just you an incredible price. You still end up saving money. It's amazing. Also, when you're over at Ting, linux.ting.com, check out their blog. They got a blog post about Ting offering internet, home internet service in the what? future. Yeah. Read about that. I'm just going to have to move right over there. Linux.ting.com. So just in time for the show, the, the, uh, the Librem came in here. This, I believe, is a replacement for the one that I kick-started a long time ago that had some cooling issues. Do you want to do the honors of the unboxing? Oh, sure. I, I did a little uncutting of the tape. So that way you wouldn't have to, like, futz with that on, on the show. But ladies and gentlemen, right now, Mr. West Payne is extracting a sub-box from an outer white box. It says nothing but purism on it. He pulls it out. It says notebook on the box. Uh, all right, Wes. This looks like, a, this looks like your average uh, laptop box. Just uh, as you would expect. I would turn on the inside a webcam, but our Logitech camera died. If anybody has any recommendations for really great wide-angle, high-definition cameras that work really well under Linux, tweet me at Chris LAS. All right. So he's opening up the sub box right now. What are your initial impressions, Wes? Very normal packaging. Yeah. Seems fine. Looks like, a, you know, it's like I bought an Acer does at it, uh, Costco. Does it feel cold? Is it metal? Like, can you tell? Oh, it does feel cold. Yeah. yeah. Is it a, go. Is it in a plastic wrap there? It is, yes. Okay. Styrofoam on the sides. Nicely safe. It was not damaged. In is shipment. it heavy? Not. It's not the lightest, but it's, I mean, it feels sturdy. It's a in plastic case. Let's get this out. Oh, yeah. It's dark. It's dark. I'd say it's like it a black dark. metal. It's like a. It's like a. And midnight. it's got that same un. You know, there's nothing on the top surface, which I kind of like. It's it's elegant. Oh, look at that. Um. So let's see. We've got uh, we've got DC power in two USB three slots, uh, headphone jack, SD card reader on the side, and then uh, two more USB ports, HDMI out, and USB C. Interesting. Not much else though. There's the power adapter. It doesn't appear to be much of a manual or How anything else. How big is the power brick? Just say there. Oh, not too bad. No, not yeah, bad at all. Pretty standard. Yeah, yeah. So it's got a pretty. It's got a pretty big trackpad. Typical barrel type uh, power plug. Purism here. button there. Oh, and there's those. There is those classic uh, kill switches. So look at there in the latch of in the in the hinge of the laptop. You see the kill switches right here along the just underneath the screen. 
Oh, yeah, look at that. Yeah, those well, that's are actually not a bad place for them. It's out of yeah. the way. Yeah. So this thing has a sixth generation i7 processor and it's using Intel graphics. I think it has 16 gigs of RAM and an SSD in there for the storage. I'll do a full review after I've had a, had a chance to play with it. I just I just got it before the show. Yeah, there's a little reset button on the bottom too, so that's like a really? like a physical reset. Like a classic PC reset button. I kind of like that actually. Yeah. That is kind of nice. Uh, I think it's using DDR4 RAM too, which should be, you know, nice and fast. What do you think about the weight and feel of it? And maybe give a give a try that keyboard too. I I was trying to think of how I I'd say it's it's like a old style MacBook keyboard. So not the new like the really not the new really flat touch bar keyboard, but like the if anybody's tried those. Yeah, right. Yeah, not like, or that. like You're right. a, it is kind of like that. Not or too like much a flex. later gener not like a great ThinkPad keyboard, but like one of the more modern key ThinkBoard keypads. Depth of travel is not amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly like this Enter key. Some keys seem to be a little better than others. What do you think about that trackpad, though? That's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Big size, nicely offset, and yeah. uh, it's a little less smooth than I think I would like. You want to hit but, the power button? But it you, did you see it there? I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is on that Top thing. right. Go ahead and power it up. Let's see if it's got a charge. A wheel will. It should be. It should be loaded with Pure OS. Yep, it looks like it's powering up. Wow! Boom! Right there. There's the Purism logo right so there. Yeah. Boo! Wow! And it looks like it's going right into a mem test. I'm not sure. It looks like it booted right into mem test. Maybe that's all that's on there. That might be the whole that's installed. That it's just mem test because it just booted right into mem test. I'm good with that. <laughs> Actually, that's fine with me. I don't know what to put on there though. So that becomes maybe that's what I should put Gen Two on. I thought I'd be trying out Pure OS again. Maybe yeah, I, maybe it is. So is that just like their customized like firmware maybe. image there that has their? I thought that was going to be a Linux bootloader, or it's just an image on the disk. A uh, rumor has it that beta one of seventeen uh, ten is coming out soon. That might that might be what I put seventeen ten on. And uh, by the way, it's silent. You hear that? That's silent. Yeah. You know, I got to give them credit. I, I got to. You know, it took them a few years, but they really came well, through. There is f- a fan in the same spot on the bottom. To be pretty fair. Much. The other one was pretty silent until you put it under any load. No, no, it was no, it was twenty four. It was always, it was just full. It was by you oh. boot it on. It was full blast. You're thinking, you're thinking of the Galago. Oh, you're thinking of the Galago Pro. Uh yeah, no, the the Librem was just full blast. So you know the other thing, the other thing that I really got to give them credit for here is uh, they also sent us the Librem thirteen. They sent it to Noah, and he didn't give it the best of review. So in you know in 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 the face of all of that, you got to give them credit for still coming through. Uh, I don't know if they would have done it if I didn't host this here show. But uh, as an as one of the the note I got from them was as an original backer, they wanted to make it right, and uh, that the timing had nothing to do with uh, with the phone Kickstarter. Yeah, but because the Kickstarter <laughs> the, the phone fundraiser actually got moved up a few weeks, and this was just this has been in manufacturing for much longer than a couple of weeks. Well, I got to say, I'll be very curious to see what you think of it, especially yeah. after you load Gen two. <laughs> I just said I was thinking seventeen ten. I was just because. Sorry, Chris. Did I hear crux? <laughs> I really am feeling like beta one is going to be when I jump in on seventeen ten and start living the seventeen mm. ten lifestyle. And I think beta one is uh, perhaps uh, nigh. The future huh. is now. I wouldn't yeah. have expected free BSD. Wow, dude. That's not <laughs> what I said at all. That's not what I said at all. Do you want to hand it over to Beardsley? Yeah. To have him take a look at it. See what he thinks of it. See what the beard thinks of uh, the first uh, the first impressions. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that trackpad too, Rikai. Feels really heavy, that's for sure. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. So yeah, so this is the Librem fifteen, and uh, this is part of like the second batch they've done of these later models. It has a Core i seven Skylake in it. Uh, I think at three point one gigahertz with sixteen gigs of RAM, DDR four RAM at that. 
Uh, it has, uh, a, I think, 1080p screen, and you can do M.2 in it or an MVME drive, MVME drive. I think this one has an M.2. Yeah. And um, it's got, instead of the Windows key, it's got the Purism button. It's got a Theros wireless in it. It's got a hardware kill switch for the radios, the microphone, and the camera. I'm not a big fan of the trackpad. No? It, it feels like I'm not just, like, sliding my hand across it. I have to, like, drag really hard. Hmm. It doesn't feel very. Yeah, it is smooth. a little more frictionless than, than I would want. Yeah, yeah. is it grabby? Grabby's a good. The term keyboard, for it. though, I really like. So this it's, is. Does it say on the back there? Does it say version three? Is that what it is? Is that version three of the? Uh, of the Librem fifteen. Yep. Yeah, so version three. Version three of the Librem fifteen. There you go. I'll uh, I'll let you guys know what I think about it after I've had some t- after I've spent some time with it. It seems it seems like a nice piece of hardware though. Yeah, the, um, the build quality actually seems really good. Yeah, and it looks nice. I would not be ashamed whatsoever to have this in a coffee shop, or yeah, especially with a few Linux stickers on there. I wonder if uh, I rub my grubby hands on it for a while, if my hand oils will uh, smooth the, up that trackpad. Uh, do the hardware kill switches look uh, better than the first revision? Yeah, way better. Because in the first revision, they were just like not, they were just holes in the side of the laptop with uh, black toggle switches. Oh, and now you don't even notice them, do you? Yeah. At first, now they're. Uh, I wonder if I could. Can I pull up a picture? Honestly, it it. It feels to me a lot like a very black MacBook. Now the uh, the kill switches are underneath the monitor somewhere. It's it's hard to explain where they're at, but yeah. they're above the F keys, below the monitor. It's like a way. little bit of flex by the hinge on the yeah. bottom, but yeah. otherwise it's very sturdy. Hmm. So there you go. The new Librem 15 in-house. How about that? August 31st, says Wimpy. So that is the rumors are true, Wimpy. Where'd he go? The, uh, uh, there you are, Wimpy. Sorry, I had, that was my bad. Say again. Uh, yes, they are. Um, it's uh, August the thirty-first is the release date for beta seventeen ten beta one for the participating flavors, and I'm doing the um, corralling of the various flavors to do the release management for that this time round. And if you go and grab a daily image for any of your favorite flavors today, is a good chance that that's probably what will get shipped on Thursday. So, so at this point, is mostly what we're seeing, what we're going to get. Uh, the the like the look of it and uh, the major software and all that like pretty much now we're we're there. Yeah, so obviously proper Ubuntu doesn't participate in beta one. You'll see that for the first time in beta two a month from now. Okay. Okay. But all of the flavors are participating in beta one, which is out Thursday. Right. Okay. So including and the the images get Ubuntu made. Mate that I've heard it before. I would assume. Uh, yes, that's looking uh, very tasty for this release. <laughs> Maybe I should put that on the uh, Libra. Yeah, I think you should. <laughs> yeah, you totally should. <laughs> I'll turn on Compass. I'll get uh, my mutiny yep. setup going. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's go. exactly right. <laughs> I do like Kaja. You do, you, and I do like that uh, software boutique. So you do get. And now there. that there's the super key, I mean, what's not to love? That is true. Right? That is very You've true. Probably living there for quite and, some time. And the HUD all up in your face and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is now locally integrated, by the way. In oh, the really? For beta one. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Wow, this thing is, this 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 seventeen ten release, not just for Ubuntu proper, but for some of these flavors too, is really something. What the hell happened? Yeah, I think everyone's I think everyone's working really hard on their seventeen ten releases. It seems like in the last couple of releases, like it, you know, enough things have been changed or stabilized in the in the below parts of the distro that mm. there's really you know time now or effort that can be spent on making all these things we've all been excited for. Well. Uh, it's good timing for me since I'm distro hopping right now. Yeah. So the machine, I, you know, what's great is I don't really have a horse in this race. So the machine that I'm recording this show on is running Arch. 
the machine I'm sitting in front of, like showing web pages and stuff, is running Solus, and the machine the mumble room is on is on Ubuntu LTS. So I'm pretty much like I'm sitting pretty, and whichever way this thing goes, I'm pretty much happy. I'll just I'm just sitting back and enjoying it and just uh, trying out different distros at this point. It's kind of a nice. Kind of a nice Have you heard of the Church of Neon? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, buddy. I got your back. You know, it's funny is I do still have uh, I still have a system at home running Plasma, and uh, I it's my one like it's still my one Plasma system. And I sit down at it and I fire it up and I'm like you know this is so smooth and so nice. Uh, I re- I really enjoyed it. So yeah, it's still it's you're just, still a, you're just a sucker for K win. It's still a contender. It's it's still a contender. All right, Wes. Well, you know what we got to do. We got to get out of here. <gasps> Enough Linux for today. We must go. There is tech snap to be had. Mumble room. Thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate it, guys. I think you just want to play with the purism. That's know? true. That is true. That is totally true. That is totally true. Thank you to our Discord chat for hanging out with us at discord.me slash Colony. Thank you to Beardsley. Where should people find you, Beard? Rec.net. R-E-K-D dot net. You can, of course, get more of Wes on TechSnap. Anywhere else you want to send folks? At Wes Payne on Twitter. Boom. Check out YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher. I just posted a brand new vlog today where I go inside a very creepy barn. Thanks for joining us. See you right back here next Tuesday. podcast we did a podcast thank you mumble room thank you yeah IRC. Some good mumble thank today. you discord um so we got a big our title and i thought maybe should we do something around the librem the purism like the hope of the free linux phone um something like that what do you guys think bueller uh bueller. Librem free phone what about uh, home? librem five a new hope oh <laughs> the new hope thing is played man it's played it's played I don't know. Okay, how about Librem 5, The Phantom Menace? What do you think? Anybody? (laughs) (laughs) Mumble Room thoughts on titles? Mumble Linux purity. Mm. Uh, We could just call it pure Linux. No. No. What about um, something about the free phone dream? Hmm. Should it just be the free phone dream? The free phone nightmare Only continues. Free phone, um, no free phone nightmare. <laughs> the free phone nightmare is not bad. Phone freedom. The free phone nightmare. Floss nightly. Phoning it in. <laughs> oh, I think we've maybe done that. Yeah, I think that that does sound familiar. It does. We're so punny. It's not our fault. It's our culture. <laughs> Uh, the free phone nightmare is kind of my current leading. I like that one. It's pretty good. Librem phones hone. (laughs) (laughs) No, it doesn't do that. I swear. That's deliciously ironic. I like that.